Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, Lottie Dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Do you ever get sick of saying the same thing? No, I don't. I don't know why it just comes out that way, and it just I mean, does. It always just comes out so smooth and like always it, the same flow. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It just kind of just comes out that way. I mean, there was a few weeks there where you kind of threw in some adjectives to describe me, but yeah, that took too much brain power to come up with a new one every week. So yeah, I, we record too late in the night for that. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but you know, we're here. Padre baseball is uh, on a break, obviously, but there's. Uh, Definitely plenty to talk about. Uh, as usual, AJ Preller likes to keep us all on our toes, and uh, you know, there's just so much going on. Um, you know, let me go off. I'm going to go off script right here, right away. Oh but no! Let's talk. Let's talk some Otani rumors. It's that's the hottest thing going on right now um, throughout Major League Baseball. It's obviously every team is a player. Um, what did you think about his questionnaire that he sent out to all the Major League teams? I I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, it's pretty clear there's there's really no team that has an advantage in terms of um, monetary compensation because at the end of the day, this guy's signing for a hell of a lot less than he would be otherwise. So I really don't blame him for kind of trying his best to gauge which which team is going to be the right fit. I mean, this is a guy coming from obviously a foreign country. He doesn't know America very well. He doesn't know our culture very well. So I, I think he's going to want to go where he feels most comfortable and – I don't blame him for kind of being a little bit unconventional. I mean, you don't really see this with even foreign-born players. You don't really see them kind of almost like telling every team, like, all right, show me what you got. Like, yeah. make, make the case, you know? I kind of yeah. like it in a way. It's like, like he's such a, a generational talent that it's like, I think he kind of deserves to be that way in, in, a, in a sense. I mean, it's like, prove to yeah. me that, that you're worth my time almost. And I kind of like it. I mean, some may think it's cocky or like he's like, I don't know. <laughs> stupid millennial who's trying to like i don't know whatever you you, you hear the arguments but um I, I like i like the guy for uh doing doing something a little different yeah, it's, it's definitely different but you know you have to appreciate the fact that he's open to going to just about any any major league team and he's allowing every team to present themselves to him um what that means for the padres remains to be seen um we actually have a piece coming out in the next day or so um was kind of formulated by a contributor uh, that uh, is fluent in Japanese and is a Padre fan. He's um, been keeping up on the Otani rumors uh, in Japan. And uh, he kind of formulated a pretty interesting piece um, about the questionnaire and how it kind of leaves the door open for a possible uh, 
reunion with, well, I guess it wouldn't be a reunion, but a, a possible addition of uh, Otani to San Diego. I mean, at this point, he's leaving millions upon millions upon millions of dollars on the table. He has that, that feel about him that he's just going to go with what his gut feeling, with, with where he can produce the best. And, you know, it remains to be seen. I'm still kind of hesitant because I, my gut feeling is that he's going to have to go to an American League team if he wants to play both ways, which he seems to be hell-bent on doing. Because his, his outfield, is he hasn't played outfield in the last couple of years in Japan. Uh, I know he had an ankle injury. He's only 23, so, I mean, he could obviously, you know, he could manage and be serviceable in the outfield, but you got to think that he's going to go to an American League team ultimately. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see, right? Yeah. So what, what are what are three teams that you think would be, I guess, the front runners if you had to pick a few? Um, I, I really like Seattle just because of the history that they've had with Ichiro and, and, and you know, Saito and the numerous other Japanese players that they've had. And, you know, there's a big Japanese um, contingent up in, in Seattle. So that's where my gut feeling is. But, you know, I, I don't know. With this questionnaire, I guess it really depends on which team presents the best writers uh, and has the best writers in, on staff to, to make the best argument. Yeah, I think for me I'd probably say that um, Seattle's definitely a frontrunner. I think the Yankees are obviously always a frontrunner because they can give you the endorsement deals in that big market. Um, someone like the Dodgers, I think, could be mm-hmm. a dark horse. Um, they're obviously – I think they are – lower in the spending pool because of the penalties. I think they can only spend, I think, 300000 on him. But um, Minnesota's a team that has a lot of money. I don't know if a guy really wants to go play in Minnesota, but they have money to spend. Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, I think, a, I think a West Coast team is probably the likeliest scenario, and I think an American League team on top of that because, like you said, with the DH. So I think that really, that really centers you in on Seattle, unless you see him going to, like, Los Angeles. I guess I should say yeah. Anaheim. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – those are some of the teams that even Texas to an extent I think you could mention because they obviously had U Darvish at a point. U Darvish really loved playing there with the organization. Um Shotani has said that he's he's friends with uh, Darvish. Darvish is kind of like somewhat of an idol to him, so um, that could definitely play into it as well. And you really don't know obviously Darvish is a free agent too, so maybe they come as a package deal. Maybe he says those guys come together somewhere. I don't know, that could be an interesting scenario. So we're all just speculating now. There's really nothing to go on. Trying to connect tiny threads there and kind of make some sort of narrative, but we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Well, let's move on to uh, Trevor Hoffman. Uh, Hall of Fame voting uh, is trickling in. Um, there's still some discrepancy on whether or not he's going to make it or not this, year, this time around. Uh, obviously, all Padre fans are, you know, angry and wondering why he wasn't in already but what is your gut feeling on, on Hoffman this year with the Hall of Fame voting honestly I don't really know I mean I felt pretty good about it last year um, I had a feeling his first year he wasn't going to get in when I originally wrote an article on it I had a, I had a feeling that it wasn't his year necessarily mm-hmm. um, but last year obviously he got 74% I think I think he was like 2 or 3 votes shy of actually hitting the 75% threshold um, but Honestly, this year I'm kind of scared. There's just so many other guys that are just as deserving, if not more deserving, that it's really hard to take one of those guys off the list to have Hoffman on. I mean, you got 
obviously all the steroid guys, guys like Larry Walker, Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones, uh, some of the newer guys on the ballot, Jim Tomey. Um, it's just it's just hard to pick ten names out of that. I think it's it just goes to show how um, I think the Hall of Fame system is rather messed up. I mean, you can only pick ten guys. I mean, why should there be a limit of how many guys are eligible for the Hall of Fame? I mean, there's no limit on how many guys can be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm not really sure why there's a limit each year of ten guys. I mean, obviously it's ridiculous if some guys vote for like thirty or forty guys, but you really could make the argument that there's, there's at least twenty guys that are. Um, that should be in, or, or at least you can make an argument that they should be in. So at this point, it, it seems silly to, to leave it at 10. And then you got guys that vote. I saw a vote come out today. He only voted for eight guys. And it's like, how do you only pick eight names out of 20 or 25 options that probably yeah. deserve that recognition? So to me, it's just it's asinine. And if you look back at throughout baseball history, how many guys are in the Hall of Fame that really probably shouldn't be? I mean, it's hard to make arguments today comparing these guys to players from the past that just didn't deserve to be in. And now... Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can see like these guys weren't what the voters thought they were at the time. But I can't justify leaving a guy like Trevor Hoffman out of the Hall of Fame when he's arguably better than some guys already in the Hall of Fame. So, well, we can we can both agree that that Trevor should have been in last season, and, and the fact that he was a mere couple of votes shy is is pretty ridiculous. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to make it this season. So I'm I'm a little scared. Names like Chipper Jones and Jim Tomey, as well as Omar Vizquel coming into the class this season, uh, you know, I, I I wonder how many votes those guys are going to take away from him potentially. And then there's the whole closer reliever thing, and, and whether or not uh, save is a viable stat to hang your hat on, if you will. And, and when it's all said and done, I really do believe Trevor Hoffman will be in the Hall of Fame. Whether or not it's this year, I, I, I still I feel fifty fifty at this point, and, and I'm 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 really scared at, at that point. I know early indications are that he's getting enough votes, but it just I don't know. It, it just seems like anything can happen in in, uh, in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, haven't we suffered enough? Can't we just get him in the Hall of Fame so we can have at least some win here? <laughs> yeah, really. Please, please. I mean, uh, I just don't get the whole argument that relievers aren't worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. I mean, sure, it's an artificially created position, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a position. And just about every position in baseball was created at some point. Like, there wasn't always yeah. um, really any position. I mean, at some point, each and every position was created. And sure, you can say that relievers have less of an impact on the game than other players, but, I mean, if you prorate his innings, I mean, he was just as effective, if not more effective, than starters. And sure, you could say, oh, any starter could be a reliever. It's like, well, sure, but at the end of the day, he is what he is. Yeah. He's the best yeah. of all time at what he did, so you can't really penalize him for pitching in that role when that role was created for a reason. Exactly. I mean, the man has a... a an award named after him. I mean, doesn't that enough merit in itself to, to become a hall of famer? Exactly. Um, but like I say, he will be in eventually. I, I really believe that whether or not it's this year or not, we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Enough of the Trevor Hoffman hall of fame talk. Let's move on to some off season moves. Um, Kyle Lloyd was DFA'd uh, earlier this week. 
uh, as the Padres obtain Colton Brewer from the Yankees, a uh, 25-year-old closer. Uh, Lloyd was not claimed by anyone and was sent outright to uh, El Paso. Um, any thoughts on Kyle Lloyd? I know he's not much of a prospect, not much of anything to get excited about. I mean, I don't hate him, but yeah. With how much pitching is in the system, I don't think he's really a priority, but he could be a guy that might eat some major league innings. I mean, he made the start last year, so he, he's a guy that eats innings this year or next if they, if they need that. And I think um, the fact that he wasn't claimed by anyone just kind of goes to show the kind of player he is. Um, as for Colton Brewer, my family member, um, yeah, me and him really close. Um, I'm totally kidding. If anyone thought I was serious, uh, we're not related. I mean, we might be related, but not in any apparent way. Um, yeah, he was pretty rough in his first go at AAA last year. Uh, prior to that, he had 41 and a third innings of 131 ERA in AA. He struck out over nine batters per nine and walked only two batters per nine. So, I mean, he looked pretty solid. Um, I'll be curious to see how he looks in San Diego. Um, not sure if he'll start. I mean, it's an, it's a major league baseball contract. I mean, it's not a minor league deal, so it looks like he could be a part of the uh, bullpen going into next year. But we'll have to see how it plays out as the off season goes on, and obviously at the uh, sorry as training uh, kicks off next year. Yeah, he's just someone to kind of throw their name out there and, and compete for a roster spot in the spring. Um, we'll have to see what what he can. What he can bring to the team, uh, Lloyd is is just organizational depth at this point. I would rather not see him uh, in the starting rotation again. But you know, in case of emergency, he might be used uh, in 2018. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move on to discuss the Baseball America Top Ten list that was dropped today. Um, we are lucky enough to have Kyle Glazer on later on this week. He's going to be talking uh, specifically about the list, but um, what, you want to run down the list and then we, we can kind of go from there? Yeah, so I think there was obviously a surprise at the top. Um, Fernando Tatis was number one. Um, behind him was Mackenzie Gore. I'm trying to get my list to load on my computer. It's loading really slow. It's, uh, <laughs> Michelle Baez was third. Uh, Cal Quantrill, fourth. Morahone. Morahone. Urias. Urias, yeah. Allen. Espinosa. Allen. Allen. Lucchese. And Gabriel Arias made the top ten list. Yeah. Well, um, not which really was any, definitely not, a surprise. Yeah, not really any surprises at the top. I mean, you kind of expect. Um, obviously, Gore and Tatis are easily the top two. Um, beyond that, you have Quantrill, Baez, uh, Morahone kind of sit in that same tier as we've talked about in the past. Um, I think Urias is a little lower than he maybe could be. I know some people like to have him like maybe top three or four, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's an argument to me that pitchers have more value um, long term, so that makes sense. It's fair. Um, Espinosa is still in the top ten despite the injury. I mean, this just goes to show the guy still has talent regardless of the injury and like we're kind of waiting to see how he comes back but the talent's there um <laughs> he's got an electric arm um obviously Allen and uh Lucchese Lucchese are two, lef- are two lefties um both both have talent both have shown they could be potential mid-rotation starters if not back-end starters um you really can make an argument to have Lauer somewhere in there as well I think he probably falls right outside the top 10 
Um, and then you have kind of the big surprise, I think, Arias. I mean, we had the big surprise of Potts for the baseball prospectus list. He was number 10. And, um, yeah, so Gabriel Arias hit that 10 spot. Kind of kind of surprising. He's young, obviously. Hasn't really played above. I think he hit uh, he hit Fort Wayne at the end of last year. So, hasn't gone above low A. Um, but, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, he's 17. There's still a lot of growth that needs to be done uh, with the bat with him. Uh, defensively, you could probably argue that he might be the best defender uh, at shortstop in the Padres minor league system, and I think that's pretty an pretty an accurate statement. Um, I don't know. I mean, I had him in the top 30. I believe I had him 24th, 25th, 26th, something like that. Um, and he's definitely someone to keep an eye on, but you know, to put him over a Lauer or Ona or a Naylor is is surprising in in my in in my opinion. I, I know Baseball America had written something about Ona and Naylor that they were a little disappointed that they hadn't showcased their power yet. Uh, you know, both young men are, are twenty years old. You know, the power will come. I'm I'm just a little surprised. You know. You know, this is a, a subjective list. You know, it's it's a matter of opinion, and and I definitely respect that. And, and you know, I, top seven, eight, nine. I had I think uh, the top seven uh, were pretty accurate with what I had. Uh, maybe not in order, but the top seven were. Uh, I had Logan Allen just outside the top ten. So I mean, it, just the amount of depth on this project farm system is, is impressive and. You know, I can't wait to talk to Kyle this this uh, later on this week and, and discuss exactly what went into uh, cultivating this list. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not too surprised by Arias because I think they rank their list more on ceiling, and he's a guy that has – I mean, he's got a pretty high ceiling if all comes together. I mean, he's got a mm-hmm, really good mm-hmm. floor just on the defense alone. So if he can hit it all, he's a major league player already. And if he can yeah. hit even more than that, he's a potential star. So I think it, it's, it's fair to kind of – dream a little bit on that ceiling i think that's probably what they were going for and having him there and uh, yes once you get past like eight or nine i mean you can really make an argument for anyone i mean you got jacob nix and eric lauer who may be back-end starters bullpen arms uh we always talked about naylor and ona hudson potts can be made an argument for there uh sui ruiz i think could be maybe up there based on how well yes, he hit in yes. the in the azl but he's obviously still young so there's a lot of talent here i mean i think, I think 10 through 20 they're kind of all pretty even for the most part. Um, you have like mm-hmm. the clear top two and Gore and Tatis. And then, I mean, three through six, you can really make any argument. And then you throw Espinosa and you could probably rank him higher if you, if you're still dreaming on the, um, actual skills. And then, yeah, past that, I think it's, it's pretty fair. You can go any which way with it, but I, I think all arguments are valid. Um, prospect evaluations kind of obviously hit and miss. Um, mm-hmm. some, some favor more proximity to majors, some favor ceiling, some favor floor. There's really no right or wrong to it. So, uh, I'm looking forward to talk to Kyle and kind of see what went into the list on, on his part and on uh, Baseball America as a whole. Um, yeah. All right. Exactly. So shall, shall we move on a little bit? Here? Yeah, let's move Let's move on. Uh, goes through some quick topics real quick. Uh, first one, let's talk about long-term uh, third base and left field options for the Padres. Uh, I know when the Baseball America put out that list, they had uh, Jose Perella and Jan Harris Salarte as was at the 2021 starters in, uh, in for the offense on, on the project. Obviously, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, but let's talk about long-term options in those two positions. Well, who do you think uh, will be manning those positions and say, uh, let's say 2021? Yeah, I think the thing that some people don't understand here is that Baseball America is simply going off what's already in the system. They're not going off of any sort of 
free agency mm-hmm. or trades or any anything that can really happen. So I think it's fair to say those two guys, because I think Hudson Potts hasn't shown you enough to warrant him being the third baseman, and outside of him, there's really not an option. I mean, unless you think Gabriel Arias is ready by then and he moves Tatis to third, and that's kind of – he's only 21 at that point, so that's kind of a long shot, I think. Um, and then as for left field, I guess it just kind of goes to show that they don't really view Ona as highly as maybe – some others do, and I, I think that's fair. He hasn't really shown. Um, I mean, he's shown some some good performance, but he hasn't really shown anything too crazy to to warrant that consideration. So, and then you guys, guys like Michael Geddes, Rod Boykin are kind of just uh, around. Those guys obviously could raise their stock and push their way in, but I think it really depends on how things shake out. And at this point, those looked like the two logical options, uh, barring any free agency or trades. Um, I, I still think that a trade is more probable for those positions or even free agency. I mean, you look at next year, we can kind of maybe segue into that conversation a little bit. You got like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper. I mean, there's just a plethora of guys available. Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Let's talk about the 2018 uh, free agent class. I mean, Adam Jones, AJ Pollock. Yeah. Uh, Blackman. There's uh, lots of guys. Bryce, Bryce Harper. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's pitching out there, too. Yeah, position, yeah I mean, there's pitchers. Garrett Cole, Jose Quintana, I believe, is free agent. Um, Keiko, Harvey. The list uh, goes on. Yeah, no, and there's even pitchers that can opt out, uh, like Kershaw Price and Bumgarner. So, you know, the, the Padres are, have the flexibility with their payroll. They're going to be able to spend some money in the coming years. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that this team – I don't want to say has money to burn, but they have money to spend wisely, and they're not financially committed too far uh, beyond 2018 and 19 with some of these bad contracts that they had to pick up, like uh, Oliveras and uh, who else are they paying off still? Uh, I think, Shields. I think Shields is still partially in the books. Yeah. So I mean, you know, once those and those Jerko. bad contracts, Jericho. Yeah. Once those those. Those contracts are completely off the books. There'll be even more money for this team to potentially go out and spend. Um, yeah, outside of know, Myers and Solarte, I don't think there's really anyone on the payroll past like 2019, um, unless you count like obviously arbitration salaries and stuff like that. Guys under team control, but there's really no <laughs> big money there. I mean, their payroll is probably going to be like 20 or 30 million at that point. So yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting uh, that that free agent class is is, uh, is very highly touted. It's been highly touted for a couple years uh i've heard people talk about that free agent class for the past year or two um you know i wouldn't expect for them to be players in a bryce harper asking for uh, half a billion dollars but manny machado is an interesting interesting topic yeah. how much would you be willing to invest in manny machado I, know, I really like manny machado i think he's a he's like a 200 million dollar guy and maybe okay. that's a little too rich but can you just picture him and uh, Tatis on the left side of the infield, and then Arias oh, yeah. Myers on the right side of the infield? Like that's a, that's a damn good infield. So sign me up. Yeah, yeah, and he'll only be I think twenty six at, at that time. So you know, is it going to take a you know what an eight year, seven year, two hundred million dollar contract to, to sign him? At the least, uh, yeah, yeah, at the least. You know, we'll have to see how how. <laughs> How much money are this? Is this team really committed into spending for the future? 
uh, obviously they're built with uh, with prospects and with that in mind. Uh, and you know, Fernando Tatis is going to be asking for a contract for a long time, so they're going to be able to spend money somewhere. Uh, hopefully, they're able to do it wisely and not throw it around on uh, you know potential busts. I think that's what they need to be careful of. Uh, when I hear Eric Hosmer talk, it, huh. it really scares me. It, it really does because that's someone who could potentially turn into a bad contract and, and they don't need that at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I've made my feelings clear about Hosmer and what I think he's going to be long-term. So no need to rehash that. Um, yeah, exactly. so I had a question from, uh, Lauren who we've obviously he's asked us questions for the show on the, in the past. Um, he asked me about, Obviously, you wrote an article about bringing Glaber Torres to San Diego, and uh, oh, nice, yeah. How do you how do you bring Glaber Torres to San Diego for those who have not read your piece? Uh, well, first off, I've already taken abuse for that, for that piece, and, and I knew I would, but I want people to realize that this San Diego Padres team has flexibility. They have money to spend, and they have prospects that they could burn if they wish to. Um, if Giancarlo Stanton had an itching to come to San Diego and the Padres wanted him, they could afford his contract and they could pay the price that the Marlins are asking. Now, there's no way in hell that's going to happen, but I want people to be aware that this team has flexibility for the first time in a long time. Um, I I wrote about Glaber Torres because he's not a a perfect fit for the Yankees at this point. Yes, he's a number one prospect in all of baseball, but he's a shortstop. Uh, They're more than happy with what they're getting from Didi Gregorius at the position. Um, They're already talking about signing him long-term. Of course, they can move Torres to second or third, but his true value is is at short. Uh, The Yankees are a team that that aren't hesitant to pull the trigger. Torres grew up in in the Cubs farm system. He's not a homegrown Yankee. You know, this is pure speculation, and I don't think it's going to happen, but if the Padres were willing to take to, as I wrote in the piece, willing to eat Ellsbury's contract, which is $65 million for three years, which is a huge commitment in itself. Um, and, and package, uh, Brad hand with a prospect, then potentially the two teams could sit down and hammer out something. Uh, I, I really don't think it's too far off. I don't think it's too advantageous to ask for, for Torres. Uh, if you're able to supply the Yankees with uh, a Brad hand, and potentially a, a decent pitching prospect or a couple of prospects or, or something along that lines. Um, you also have to factor in that Torres is coming off Tommy John surgery uh, to his non-throwing arm, but, you know, he's still a rookie. He's still young. You don't know what you have there. So, you know, I, I don't know your thoughts. I, I, I wanted to ask you about it. This is the first time that uh, that uh, you and I have discussed this Um I don't know. What were your thoughts about the piece? Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally fair to speculate. Um, I don't know how attainable he'd really be considering like kind of where the Yankees are at. They're ready to compete. He's a guy that looks like he's just about ready. Um, obviously, the injury's a bit of a concern, but I think for the right price, any player is available. And Yeah, if the Potters give him Brad Hand and throw in some prospects, um, there's really no reason to think that it's not a possible move. And Yeah, that he'd be pretty sweet to have as a third baseman in the future. I mean, he's obviously a highly touted prospect, but... 
Um, I wouldn't say that, that even that's a consideration at this point. I wouldn't even say it's likely or even possible. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun to speculate about this stuff. And it, when, no. when it gets to the boring part of the offseason, we got to keep ourselves entertained somehow. Exactly. <laughs> and I want to reiterate that I don't think at all that this is possible. I'm not saying the, the two teams are going to sit down and talk about this. The Yankees in, in shouldn't even discuss this for that matter. I mean, this is the number one prospect in all of baseball. Uh, they are happy with him. They are content with moving him to third or second or wherever they have to. But I just want people to realize that uh, the Padres have the ability to make a move or two if they really want to. They have the ability to to be a mover and shaker in, in, in Major League Baseball at this point. And, you know, whether it's acquiring a, a, a veteran free agent or going after a young talent like this, they can do it. So... We'll just have to wait and see what direction uh, this team wants to go. I think a lot of that is going to have to do with uh, Otani and wh- where he falls. And uh, I think, you know, it's been really quiet on the free agent market so far, don't you think? Yeah, I think Stanton and Otani have kind of freezed the market. I mean, I think teams yeah. are kind of waiting to see how those two situations play out. So I wouldn't be surprised if it, things are just quiet like this until the winter meetings. And then going from there, I think I think the winter meetings might be extra busy this year simply because nothing's yeah. been done at this point. I mean, I think the biggest signing to this point has been Doug Fister, so that's kind of not, exactly. a, really, not a really huge deal there. So, exactly. yeah, I think it's gonna be busy for the winter meetings and going forward. Um, so, one last question I want to ask you, kind of just a fun one, sort of baseball related. Um, I saw this on Twitter. I cannot remember who had originally posted it, but basically the premise was, um, which of these two do you think would be better, a quarterback thrown into a major league game as a pitcher, or a major league pitcher thrown into an NFL game as a quarterback? Wow. So I wanted your thoughts on kind of that dynamic wow. and, and w- w- how you see that playing out. I know I'm throwing you a curveball here. Yeah, that is uh, – uh, okay, so the, the question is who would perform better? Yeah, so who would have a better go of it, a quarterback in Major League Baseball as a pitcher or a Major League Baseball pitcher as a quarterback? And I just assume it's the, an NFL game. Okay, I will say the quarterback against Major League hitting. Major League – you know, I would I would agree. I think most quarterbacks have a strong arm, so if they just kind of rear back and throw as hard as they can. Uh, and, the problem here is that when you have like a quarterback, there's just so much that goes into it in terms of like play calling yeah. and checking uh-huh. defense at the line. I think I don't know if a pitcher could pick that up rather quickly. I know pitchers no, are smart; they no. obviously can pitch to spots and mix their mix and match pitches. But I think it's just a whole different animal. I think as weird as it is to say, I think pitching is easier than. Playing playing NFL, I mean, look how many good NFL quarterbacks there are these days. There's maybe like five, and yeah. maybe maybe ten that are above average that you really can trust. I mean, there's just so many teams that have like mediocre quarterbacks. Now we're getting to being an NFL podcast here, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think that the quarterback would definitely have a easier time. I think I'd like to try this experiment out. Maybe uh, Tom Brady would be interested. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we can hook that up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, anything else? I think that is it. Yeah, I think just you know Trevor for the hall, uh, Shohei Otani in San Diego, and I think we'll be happy. Yeah, definitely. Is that too much uh, to ask? Yeah, exactly. Is that too much to ask? Just uh, you know, 2018 just can't come soon enough. It really can't. No, um, sir. <laughs> all right, Patrick, take us out. Uh, we apologize if we had a little bit of an interference in the first half of the podcast. Um, the fight that we uh, that we go that we battle every day in, in podcasting, uh, we just had to truck on. Yeah, man. Uh, Patrick, Skype is the best. 
Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so we're hosting on Podbean. You can find us there. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, uh, Google Play Store. Anywhere you find podcasts, you'll find us there. Give us a rating, a review. Let people know about the show. Spread the word. We always appreciate the support from everybody. Um, we're on Twitter, EVT Podcast. James is EVT underscore news, EVT underscore J Clark. I'm Patrick Brew 93, and we are the East Village Times Podcast. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Episode 73 of the East Village Times Podcast is in the books. EVT is out here broadcasting. EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast.